The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today, we always have a special guest today. It's Carmela Coyle, president and CEO of the California Hospital Association. Thank you. Uh, greetings. Thank you for, for coming here today and chatting with us. Happy to do it. So my, my burning question is universal health care, yes or no, are we going to have it or single payer, whatever the term of art is, what's your take on that? Well, so therein lies uh, lies the discussion. Uh, it depends what folks mean by universal coverage, universal access, or single payer. Okay. You know, California ought to be celebrating. Uh, right now, we have uh, covered all but about 3 million Californians through expansion of the Affordable Care Act at the federal level. That's terrific. Now, that, those are people who have insurance coverage through the Affordable Care Act. Th- th- that's correct. So Subsidized we, or not, but I mean they have. Correct. Okay. So we only have 3 million people left who don't have coverage in the state of California. About half of those are individuals who are eligible for coverage but just aren't signed up yet. So we've got a big job to do there. Mm-hmm. The other half are undocumented individuals. And so those are really the two narrow paths left to close. But as far as universal coverage is concerned, we're really close and we ought to keep pushing. I think where the issue gets more challenging and where you hear the debate is when you talk about how you're actually going to pay for or finance health care in the state of California. That's where you hear proposals like a single payer. Uh, the controversy there is today health care is paid for some by employers if you're uh, working and have health insurance coverage. Some by the federal government, if you're a Medicare beneficiary. Some by the state and federal government, if you're a Medi-Cal beneficiary. And some either on your own through one of the insurance exchanges or on your own if you're buying your own insurance. And so uh, single payer, um, I I think, is certainly not something that we're going to be dealing with this legislative session. And quite honestly, probably not in the near future. In order for California to do single-payer on its own, it would mean giving up federal health care dollars at a time when we need all the health care dollars that we can get mm-hmm. to care for the 40 million people in, this, in the state. So um, I think we've got to figure out what the right financing mechanism is, but I think single-payer is not something we'll see in the short term. What about um, people who um, feel that medical costs already are extraordinarily high and really high, ruinously high. In many cases, I know as we came into this debate, we had uh, people who uh, were forced into bankruptcy. Even this is you know, a period of years ago, but now uh, the debate about over medical costs, who pays those costs, who bears the share of those. It's kind of a circular firing squad here in a, in a bit. I mean, the, the, the doctors you know, point to other uh, sections of the economy that, that uh, are responsible for cost increases. I know hospitals do, clinics do, dentists. I was going through the opposition to, to um, 3087 that I know you want to chat about. And it seemed like every medical provider uh, in the state was, was against that, was against having a commission set up to make sure prices or costs are contained. Um, what do you tell people and say, God, it's really expensive going to the hospital now 
my dad used to go to $140 a week and my last, I was in an outpatient and I was $4,500. How, how do you tell people on the street that it's so high? How do you deal with it? Well, you, you put your finger on what I think is the most important issue that we need to address. And this is not just an issue in California. Yeah. This is a national issue. And that is the affordability of health care and the value that we get for our health care dollar. Now, I'll start by saying that in California, hospital costs per capita are actually below the national average. So our hospital costs in California per person are about six and a half percent below the national average. What's a day cost in the hospital now? Just, do you have, is it, I know it's hard to come up with an average, or but is there some range that's out there? I'm sure there is a range. I can't, I'm probably too new to California to try to give you something off the top of my head. Um, but, but to your point, so while California's costs happen to be below the national average, uh, the challenge is it's still expensive. And what's really important is to unpack that for people and to unpack that for our elected officials so that we can take action together. So the first piece are what, are the, what does it cost for the items and services that go into healthcare? So whether that's you know the $2 million MRI machine or what's really driving healthcare costs these days, the rapid increase in the price of drugs, pharmaceuticals. That's been the key driver. That raised healthcare expenses over 10% nationally in wow. just the last year. So um, you've got to first look at the what goes into providing care. Then you've got the care that's provided by hospitals, doctors, dentists, and others. And that involves, as you know, thousands and thousands of nurses and workers within hospitals, labor costs and all of the rest. And then on top of that, you have to think about the insurance costs. So the insurers are pooling people, um, selling insurance products, and determining what the insurance premium is that you and I pay out of pocket. So if we can first do a better job unpacking that and educating folks to understand when you or me say, this is really expensive. Very often, we're just focused on the out-of-pocket cost and what our insurance costs every month. But we've got to drill down into each of those layers. Um, from California Hospital's perspective, this is a conversation not only we have to have, um, but that we would very much uh, like to help lead. That is, there are things we can do to make care more affordable. Uh, just a couple of examples you, you may know. 80% um, of healthcare dollars are spent on 20% of the population. Drill down even further, 50% of healthcare dollars are spent on 5% of the people. And guess what? They're people who are really sick, right? Chronic conditions. Not necessarily in their golden years, like I feel I'm approaching here very quickly. No, you know what's interesting about that? It's people who have chronic illnesses, diabetes, uh, you know, cardiac issues, um, um, uh, you know, um, COPD, lung, uh, lung, inf lung infections, pneumonias, that sort of thing, um, uh, obesity, right? These are chronic conditions that are often lifetime conditions that are not only uh, expensive, but they're expensive if they're not well managed. People end up back in the emergency room in need of surgeries rather than managing mm -hmm. that care overall. So, um, if we really want to focus on affordability, I think a lot of this is about focusing on chronic conditions and chronic illness. What can we do to keep people healthy and out of the hospital to begin with? There, there is a cyclical aspect to this. I mean, um, costs, medical costs, when they're high, insurers offer a product where for a certain amount of money every month or however they work their premiums, 
it's more affordable for the person who needs care intermittently. Uh, it's, it's more affordable to an individual to have the insurance coverage. That sets up an entire separate industry of insurance. I know one of the issues in the debate, it was up very much in the Affordable Care Act debate, and it, it arises here too, is the whole role of the insurer as a middleman. So one question I would have is, is that a necessary role? Is that a decision that hospitals, doctors, dentists at some point are going to have to make about should insurance as an industry be involved in health care, which is something we all need? You know, it's, uh, it's really a great question. And I like beating up on the insurers. Yes. I've done it for years, and I feel so good now. No, go ahead. Well, you know, it's a really important question. If you step back and look at all insurance, not just health insurance, um, the whole premise behind it is you put money away, in a sense, paying it to an insurer, uh, in the event that something catastrophic happens, whether that's a flood or a fire or an automobile accident or a very expensive healthcare event. What's happened is that we've really changed the concept of insurance in the healthcare market with these things called high deductible health plans. So I often say, when is health insurance not insurance? It's when your deductible is $5,000 sure, and you yeah. can't even pay your deductible. You can't afford your own insurance deductible. Yeah. So I think we've kind of stretched the concept of insurance, but I know I have friends, you probably do too, who have these high deductible plans. So they feel that if something very catastrophic happens, they'll at least be protected, but it leaves them wide open for serious things that happen. Um, and so we've got to look at the structure, I think, of our insurance plans today. You raise a really important second issue. What's their role in healthcare? What's interesting is as the federal government, uh, and we hope maybe the state government, moves to models where healthcare providers themselves are taking on more risk, I think it does raise the question, what is the role of insurers? And at least how do we partner together to make certain that we're all working toward improving the health? What, what do you mean by taking on, how would the providers take on more risk? What would, what's sure. involved with that? So um, let me talk a little bit about a model I'm familiar with. Uh, the state I came from was the state of Maryland, mm -hmm. and they are experimenting with a new risk model. It's called a global budget. What happens in the state of Maryland is a hospital is no longer paid per patient. They get paid one amount of money for an entire year, and they have to treat everyone who comes through their doors. Who, who decides how much they get for that year? There is a, um, a state commission uh, that determines that. It's a very um, complex process, um, and it's been uh, based on a system that's been in place for about 40 years out in the state of Maryland. Okay. But what I mean by risk is that given that that hospital receives one amount of money, um, it's now in the hospital's interest to keep patients from coming back to the hospital if necessary, because if they come back to the hospital, it costs them more money, and that's going to exceed the amount of money they have, right? It's going to exceed what's in their bank account. Similarly, if they can reach out in the community and help people stay well, manage their chronic conditions, prevent people in their community from getting sick in the first place, they get to keep what they save. It, it so doesn't incentivize lower-cost care? Uh, it, what's, this is fascinating. Because there are important quality measures that are all, because you wouldn't want to incentivize folks to simply not treat patients, sure. they've also got to maintain quality metrics at a very high level. So with the right balance, it's one experiment out there. Mm -hmm. um, I would very much like to see California 
um, and for all of us as providers and insurers in the state working together to come up with models that might make sense in our state. Uh, you know, what's happening in Maryland does not necessarily make sense, sure. but there are lots of things that wouldn't work in the state of California. Everything makes sense in California. <laughs> but, <right? laughs> but we, have, I think we have options to do some more experimentation okay. and, and really put California at the leading edge of policy innovation in some of these payment experiments. Is there, in Maryland, is there an oversight commission? Is there a body of oversight that watches what the global budget, how that's being spent? Yes, there is, and significant reporting back to the federal government, uh, regular okay. significant reporting back to the federal government. Uh, okay. California, uh, and I think this is still the policy, uh, hospitals do not directly employ physicians. I think this corporate medicine, it's been back, I think, since the 20s and 30s, That's maybe right. before that. That's right, a ban um, on hospitals from being able to employ yeah. physicians directly. Would, so given that, would the global budgeting concept, would that work? In, could it work in California if it's working in Maryland? Um, I, I think it could. I think there are some organizations for whom it would be very difficult here in California. That is, um, California, because of the ban on the ability to hire physicians directly, uh, they have foundation models and some other models that mm -hmm. allow hospitals and physicians to work together. That's very difficult for some of our smaller and more rural hospitals who just don't have that option. What we do know is in order to make care not only more effective, but therefore more affordable, we've got to get hospitals and physicians pulling on the same rope in the same direction. And that's by aligning our incentives. But if we've got hospitals, and even in California, hospitals being paid one price per procedure, and we've got physicians still being paid per visit, we're working at cross purposes. So there is much that we can do, I think from a public policy perspective, to really try to align those incentives, um, and we can eliminate some of the friction or waste in the system while we're doing that. One of the proposals that's out there, I know you were interested in this one, the uh, AB 37, 3087, excuse me, um, would set up a commission to create standards of pricing, cost, it's basically a cost containment measure, and it would be uniform, as I understand it, at least according to the bill, it would be uniform statewide. Uh, this commission, proposed commission, has drawn universal criticism from just about everybody in the medical community, uh, the doctors, the dentists, um, hospitals, just about everybody. So I, I guess my one question I wanted to ask you, what's, what's wrong with having uh, a commission to set uniform pricing and cost containment? Yeah, uh, and this... Uh, Especially a public one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this bill, AB 3087, um, is really a, a big bad bill for the health of Californians. Mm -hmm. The problem is this. The bill would only regulate rates for privately insured individuals. What the bill doesn't take into account is the fact that every time a hospital treats a Medicare patient, that hospital loses 23%. So we're paid less than the cost of treating a senior today. The Medi-Cal program, a hospital is losing 32% on every patient that they treat. So the reason that we have seen increases in privately insured individuals is that this government underfunding has been shifted onto privately insured individuals. If all we do now is pull that privately insured rate down, all we're gonna do is drive hospitals and physicians and dentists and others into bankruptcy. We have projected that this bill will result in 60% of the hospitals in the state of California 
operating in the red. And that's simply not sustainable. It will cut about $18 billion a year from hospitals. And they simply won't be able to continue on. They'll, they'll have to close their doors. So um, in an effort to try to think about affordability, it's a ham-fisted policy, too simplistic, and will simply collapse our healthcare system. How then do you address uh, specifically for the hospitals then? And this would be a question one could ask the doctors and dentists and other providers, but how specifically then do you address the question of hospital costs are so high? Just going into the hospital and coming out that period of time where I stay is so high. Uh, how does that go down unless you're forced to reduce the cost? And, and, and as, as we have said, uh, we don't need to be forced to have a conversation about affordability. It's sure. really important. Again, we have to unpack cost versus price. Um, certainly, prices are high. Insurance companies negotiate discounts from those prices. And then there's the underlying cost of care. What we should be doing in California is focusing on what those fundamental drivers of cost are. We've talked about a few. Pharmaceuticals, drugs are a big driver of cost. Chronic care, chronic conditions are a big driver of cost. We ought to focus on those. We also then need to understand how do we balance this government underfunding and the underfunding of the Medi-Cal program in the state of California with what privately insured individuals need to pay. I think what this really is is a call that we have sort of played that game too long and it's time to begin to reconcile those. But you can't do that by simply artificially pulling down private insurance rates or prices and not doing anything with the other underfunding that exists today. I, I think that debate over Medi-Cal uh, reimbursements, uh, it's gone on for at least 20 years that I know. Uh, there's always been a problem with the doctors who provide Medi-Cal services getting reimbursed at a level that they think they should. And California um, is one of the lowest states in terms of Medi-Cal reimbursement in the United States. You mean in terms of dollars proportionally? Yep, or, yep. yep. in terms of reimbursement rates. Um, what then happens next? Well, actually, let me back up one second. Is there a special place here for nonprofit hospitals? Do the nonprofits have a place here that, you know, in terms of business model, uh, does it fit? Is there a place for them in this in this scheme where maybe they fit maybe a little better than for-profit hospitals? You know, it's interesting. In California, um, our not-for-profit hospitals, our investor-owned hospitals, they're all treating significant numbers, not just of Medicare patients, but of our Medi-Cal patients and of our uninsured individuals. So it's really not a not-for-profit or investor-owned issue. Okay. This is really an issue of we have um, one program of healthcare financing that the federal government runs, a second program of healthcare financing that the state government runs, and a third program of healthcare financing that largely employers run. We've got to figure out how we're going to make all of that work so that we have the right amount of health care in the state of California. We have access in our most rural communities, our most vulnerable communities. And we're simply not saying, you know, here's, here's, your, you know, here's your $20 bill and we're only going to pay you $10. Uh, that simply doesn't work. How come other places or how have other countries dealt with this problem? I'm not saying they've solved it because I hear problems with the National Health Service in England. Uh, Germany and France, I saw a ranking of healthcare quality globally, and I think France was one or two, very, very high. How come they can do it and we can't? 
you know, it's interesting. I was Are just the French smarter than us? <laughs> it's the wine. Yeah, yeah. The wine. No, no, I, I think it's, uh, you know, and that Germany, old saying. Beer, yeah, I, I think it's that old saying that uh, some of these countries were born out of evolution. You know, we were a country born out of revolution. When we look at the broad perspective of healthcare and healthcare policy and what we want our system to look at, we also understand that. Um, people in the United States are not going to wait in line, right? They're not going to queue up nicely and neatly the way they do in Canada or in, or in uh, Great Britain. Um, there are trade-offs. So the way that many of the other countries in the world, uh, is, uh, other um, uh, like countries in the world have dealt with this, um, is that you have to delay care. You do have to wait in line. You don't get to choose your own physician. You don't get to choose your own hospital. Uh -huh. You must okay. go where you are told to go. Of course, there are other countries who do it cheaper, and let's not even go there, because uh, there you go into the hospital and your family comes in and has to care for you and provide for you and cook for you. And, and I think I that's, like that. And I, that's, think that's, <laughs> I think that's not what we're talking about <laughs> either. But you know, if you look in the industrialized nations, there are various models, but almost all of the models do one of two things. Either... I'll say the scary word, ration care, and by that I mean you've got to wait, or there is a multi-tiered system, a two-tiered system where those who can afford it get it fast, and those who can't afford it get it much more slowly, if ever. And that's just... Well, that's sort of our system. Well, and, and yeah. some have begun to argue, and now I think the Affordable Care Act has taken us far along. We had millions of people who were uninsured who now today have insurance coverage and can avail themselves of a primary care physician visit or something else. Um, and that's what the Affordable Care Act tried to break down. But that is uh, the reality of what happens in many of the other industrialized okay. nations. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap up now. I feel better already, all this talking about health. Carmela Coyle, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Jan Emerson Shea, who's not here, but actually she is here, but didn't say a word. And Tim, we'll see you next time around, and greetings Thanks for everybody. Much. Ron and Tim, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Take care.